Reflections with Canon Philip Gray. Well, hello everyone and um, welcome to our Wednesday podcast for Holy Week. Um, we're actually recording this on Saturday afternoon, the uh, 4th of April. And um, they say that the those who enter the religious life have the virtue of patience. And uh, certainly Oswin's, Father Oswin, has displayed it this afternoon as he's taken us two hours to connect with him on the Anchor podcast. But finally, two hours later, Father Oswin. Good afternoon, everybody. Hooray, you're there. <laughs> I'm very glad to be with you, at least in voice. I had hoped to be with you for this Holy Week, and um, here I am stuck in Murfield. Yeah, we, we too share that sadness. We were very much looking forward to you coming. And uh, I, I've made you do uh, at least three or four circuits of um, the religious house uh, this afternoon, uh, Oswin, I think, <laughs> as you try to find a way to connect with us. <laughs> Indeed, yes. We've ended up in the community's library, which okay. looks uh, a very ancient collection, but clearly is the most technologically advanced part of our building. Great. Well, I'm glad we finally got there, and um, you you won't you won't necessarily need your exercise today now because I've already given it to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, also, thank you to your son Anthony for getting his connection. Philip. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he's been an absolute gift to me, as you can imagine. Um, Oswin, tell me mm. a little bit about how um, how did you come to enter the religious life uh, and and to be serving your vocation. Uh, as a monk at Murfield? I came to um, be a monk at Murfield about just over 20 years ago. Um, but previous to that, I'd got to know the Franciscans a little bit, stayed with them in their house for the Anglican Franciscans in Hillfield uh, when I was an undergraduate. Yeah. And then in working life, you know, their house in Worcestershire. I found myself completely attracted back to those places of prayer. They somehow sustained me in whatever else I was doing. Yes. So some years on, I was a curate in a parish in Liverpool and trying to discern what next, asking God what next. Yes. And clearly there was a question to be asked there. I enjoyed and appreciated going to religious houses so much, and I was free to do so. God was calling me to that. Mm. Um, I kind of delayed asking the question because once you ask a question, you need to listen to the answer. <laughs> but that was the right time to be asking the question. Yes. And, and you say you've been you've been at Murfield now for around twenty years. That's correct. Yes. T tell us tell us a little bit about what a, a, a normal day for you looks like. How how is it? shaped and structured and and how you spend your time in some ways the days are indeed very shaped and structured yes we have a round of prayers and they begin on a, a normal day at quarter to seven in the morning with matins and then they go through our midday office and the celebration of the eucharist and even song at six o'clock and then Compline at 9.15. Mm. Um, we also have set meal times, 
and that patterns the day. And the usual picture is that we go to church and then we go to the refectory to eat. Yes. But we also have times of silence as well, in particular after Compline from 9.30 in the evening through till uh, nine o'clock in the morning. And some other times and particularly places of silence through the day. So in one way, it looks a very patterned, even disciplined life. Yes. On the other hand, no two days are actually the same. So in between those times, anything could be happening. Yes. And, and you're the superior of the community, aren't you? I have been for the last couple of years. Yes. Yeah. So just tell us a little bit about what that means for you, what the role is, uh, and, and how, you, um, how you were given that role. Um, the brothers in, meet together as a chapter yes. and take our decisions aiming to have a, a common mind and heart. And one of the decisions that we take is to elect, in particular, the brother who's going to be the superior of the community. So uh, a couple of years ago, they asked me to do that job. And um, it's a work of um, encouraging others, really. It's, um, it's a work of oversight for the community. Yeah. And not necessarily, I think, you'll all be familiar with the fact that obedience is one of the vows that monks take. Yes. Um, but that doesn't really mean I sit somewhere issuing orders <laughs> that other people will need to follow out. Yeah. Um, it's a very different kind of obedience. And at its heart, it's uh, an aiming to listen to God through one another. Yeah. And it derives from ancient practice in the monasteries, going back certainly to the rule of St. Benedict mm. in the um, early days of Christian Europe. And behind him, too, to the monks of the desert, experimenting with this way of life. Mm. Um, so among those who listen and try to be obedient, the superior uh, very much has that role. Right. My role is to listen to what God is saying through the brothers and through people who come to visit us and through what we understand of what's happening in the world. Yes. And having done the listening, to consult with others, um, and to take decisions or um, give encouragement along those lines. But quite a bit of the day is spent in listening to people and managing things, organizing things. Yeah, yes. Just say a little bit, uh, if you don't mind, also about the vow of stability that you take um, as brothers, Oswin. Because Thank you. We do. We, we take three vows. Yeah. Um, obedience is one, stability is one, and the third one has a Latin name that nobody quite knows how to translate, conversatio morum. It is often translated as a conversion of life. Okay. So the stability um, is a slightly surprising vow to take, mm -hmm. um, but it's a very important one. It's, um, it's a committing of ourselves to God through one another. The committing of ourselves to this community and this way of life for life so it's a life vow and it probably it's most similar to most easily compared to taking marriage vows where husband and wife commit themselves to one another for life and the point of that is um we can't quickly 
turn heel and run away. We have to stick with whatever is going on, whatever not only I find out about my brothers, but also, and more shockingly, find out about myself through their eyes. Yes. Um, so I, I, I think the vast stability has um, quite a bit for us to learn from in our present situation and emergency. Um, I'm sure those at home will be finding they're spending a lot more time with family members than they have been doing in normal daily life just at the moment. And it's not a bad thing. It may be challenging and it might not be very welcome all the time, but it is actually a really good thing, not just to learn about ourselves, but to learn, as you mentioned at the beginning, patience and compassion. And you, you, you've, you, you beautifully answered my next question there before I asked it, which was super, Oswin. Uh, it also struck me forcibly that, that the, this stability also relates to being a Christian community at this time um, because we can't gather together uh, and we're having to redefine how we are a community with one another. Uh, and yeah. stability with one another, uh, yeah. and obviously, you, you know, my there are there are some crossovers in the role that I play as a parish priest to the one you were describing about how one enables listening and drawing, certainly yeah. drawing people together and creating community. Um, yeah, that that yeah, that's a, a really powerful connection. Say a little bit, um, if you and also as when about the relationship that that your community has with St. Margaret's specifically? Um, you probably know at least as much about that as I do, Philip, and, and more. Um, okay. But our role is that of patrons for the community, for the parish. Yes. Um, that's been our connection for a number of years. Mm. And um, that sounds as if it means we're um, choosing who your parish priest is. There was a little bit of this, I think, wasn't there, when you came? There was. At least encouragement for us for you uh, to think about serving as a program. But the probably more important aspect is that we pray for you, and we yes. pray for you um, every month here in the, our prayers in the yeah. community here. Yeah. And I think it's right to say, um, I mean, I think this patronage goes back now well over 50 years. Uh, mm -hmm. my, my understand, and clearly throughout that time, um, the reciprocal nature of this relationship has, has been powerfully supportive one of the other and obviously your, your presence here in Holy Week would have been a very clear expression of that just as Father Aidan has been with us a couple of times in the last 10 years to preach um, and of course yes you're right Father Aidan was on the interview panel when uh, I was appointed here but your predecessor Father George whose superiors yeah. were, were, play, played a very important role uh, in, in you know, making the connections that were required in the appointment. So, uh, yeah, you're right, that's, that's clearly when the, the role, how the, the relationship as patron has a very specific role or when the time comes for a new place to come in. Because I, I, I did used to see that a lot in my previous role as Bishop's Chaplain, because patrons can come in all sorts of shapes and sizes you know numbers of people or individuals yes. and and um yes 
when it when it's at its parish priest uh, used to say that his patron was the lady working on the checkout counter in the local supermarket and he said she was super i think it was a, a family a, a wealthy family who had fallen on hard times but she really <laughs> took a, a real care for the parish and for his welfare well I, I mean there's some very good patrons around but i suspect if we had one or two more who worked on, on the checkout of the local supermarket that that would be even better <laughs> i love Absolutely. that image <laughs> yeah tell me how is the how are you as a community um living with coping with the present situation um at the moment well thanks be to god uh, we are all healthy and we're having our yeah. temperatures checked every day right. community as you know i guess um contains many brothers who are in the vulnerable category so yeah. we have been shielding ourselves for the last couple of weeks or so yeah. uh, gathering one or two of our brothers together back here at Murfield and yes. um, um, we've really privileged because we're able to, as a family with a chapel a church that's integral to our home able to continue mm. praying in it um, and I know most people have not so yeah. um, one of the things we've been able to do is to stream our services on Facebook which we've never done before and we're trying our best yeah. to ignore the fact that there's now a camera pointing in our direction when we gather in church yeah well that's that's lovely in fact that would be um, that would that would be a lovely resource for us to share really maybe we can get the link both um, hear our prayers and see one or two funny things going on, probably as we try mention as well, Philip, uh, um, you and the members of the parish may be interested that during this time of the emergency, we've actually gained uh, a prospective brother in the community. So right. we our system of joining is fairly lengthy, and uh, Charlie has come in the last few days, having self-isolated for a while um, to right. test the vocation with us. So that's a real encouragement and a kind of marker for the future. Lovely. That is super. Where, um, particularly as, you know, as a religious community and as a monk, where do you see God in the situation that we find ourselves, Oswin? I think the first place that I would look to see God is um, among us okay. um, who knows what the meaning of this emergency is going to be if ever we will discover that but even though we're living in confusion and distress and for a large number of people um, considerable pain or um, bereavement and grief Nevertheless, that doesn't mean that God is absent. I think we're all the more likely to recognize that God's love and care for us is present in the midst of our need. In our own case, um, it's been in finding that we can and do live that stability that we were talking about just a few minutes ago, that we're glad to be together, that the different levels of anxiety among us haven't stopped us um, agreeing and supporting one another. And that to yeah. me seems a sign of the grace of God in our own particular context. 
Mm. And how would you say it's shaped? Because obviously the prayer is at the heartbeat of who you are and what you do as a yeah. community. Yeah. Is there a sense in which this situation shapes how you pray and and and, and the pattern of your your prayerfulness? Um, as anybody who tunes into the streaming will see, the pattern yeah. of our praying is largely um, unaltered. It's our daily fare, and. Yeah that's been a good thing for us. It's not just a, a marker of ordinariness, nor normality at the moment, but also um, affirms the value of the prayer that's given to us to pray, the liturgical round of the day. But mm. beyond that, the um, liturgy, the words of scripture that we're singing and hearing take on a new dimension a new angle or even poignancy and edge in this present emergency where we are crying out to God for help. Um, perhaps the, for me the most uh, the moment that's most crystallized that was on Sunday evening a week or two ago, uh, Saturday evening, we have a special vigil where we read a resurrection gospel and that was from John 20 where the disciples on the Easter day evening are gathered in the upper room and says John the doors were locked for fear and Jesus came and stood among them well we know those words and we hear them here regularly but just on that day when we just started to lock our doors and notice the absence of the guests who were normally welcome here and the students who live here but had gone home then um the doors were locked for fear, yes they were, and Jesus came and stood among them, there's our faith. So that got that gospel, which we're going to hear afresh, of course, uh, you know, in Easter tide, yes. uh, will be renewed, I, I, yes. I, I, can, I, can, I can see this being uh, a very good subject for a reflection at some stage. Um, and and yes, Thomas's uh, absence, yeah, and well, needing to see the wounds. Mm. We were pointed um, recently to a, an article by Tom Wright on lament. Um, yes, that things are not expected necessarily to make sense as Christians. We don't make sense of them, but what we can do is take our cue from the scriptures and. Um, lament and in our lamentation um, find that actually we are connecting with God's heart who is weeping over our loss and our um, pain and through this Lent we've been reading the book of Jeremiah every morning and there he was in um, a city that was always living under fear always living under fear both from the Egyptian and from the Assyrian, the Babylonian empires um, and at times under siege as well, a, a really a closed city where the food stocks were running down and people were um, suffering in illness um, and so to hear those words again and to hear Jeremiah's 
um, strong call to the people to pay attention to God and to believe that God's loving covenant with them lasted and would be known has been very powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Now you were due, of course, to be with us uh, this week for Holy Week, Oswin, and you know it's one of just many sadnesses for many people that that you can't be with us. Um, so tell us um, how will Holy Week be for you in the community? Um, what uh, what's distinctive about Holy Week for you? One of the um, surprising things for us as a community dedicated to the resurrection, the community of the resurrection, is that we're not together yes. usually on Easter Day. You would think that would be right. one day in the year when our community would be most physically together. But what actually happens is, as you've just noticed, Philip, we disperse around the country usually and go to parishes to be with other people and pray and preach and celebrate Easter with them. So this year, yeah. almost uniquely, we'll be together for Holy Week and Easter, the community of the resurrection, celebrating the resurrection on the day of resurrection. Yeah. Um, so that for us will be a joy. It will yeah. be a simpler celebration than we normally have for the um, Passion and Resurrection, the Easter, because when we're away, the student body at the Theological College here take over the responsibility of the services and they are able to conduct them with um, a lot of imagination and some very good music. Well, we will yes. limit our imaginations possibly and, limit our <laughs> and just do what things that we can cope with. But we will be, unlike almost every parish church, probably every parish church, we will be able to um, keep a full Holy Week together. And we've got a strong sense that we're doing that vicariously for other people as well. It's not just um, helping ourselves, but it's what everybody else would be doing, and therefore in some sense is doing with us and through us. That's beautiful. And I hope that, I hope that may sustain um, certainly some of our people who I, I know will be feeling, particularly in this coming week, you know the, the the real absence of being able to come together to worship together um I, i'll refer tomorrow to the fact um you know oswin that none of my people will have a palm cross this year yes we've no way of distributing a palm cross uh and then of course you know probably even more sadly for many of us um that they can't receive the Eucharist, they can't receive communion yes um so to know that um, that that you as a community uh, are able to do that, I, th I would hope that that many of our people will will draw great strength from that. We gave a little um, bit of thought to that, and a possibility would have been ourselves fasting, abstaining, as it were, from communion in solidarity with other people, recognizing others can't. But I think yeah. most of us, in the end, thought if the boot was on the other foot, we couldn't we would be glad to know that somewhere others could, and we would feel yes. participatory with them. So we're continuing to do so. And I hope that may be that's, some help to others. That's, that's, I, I had this conversation with one of the clergy in our own deanery mm. uh, earlier in the week, 
uh, and I think that clergy person was thinking of observing uh, the sort of fast that you're talking about. Um, and but the view I'd come to was the one that you've come to as a community that, you know, particularly when I celebrate the Eucharist in the chapel here, yeah. that I hope it's important for people to see uh, that their priest and his family are able to participate in the Eucharist and that they draw strength from that rather than anything else. Um, yeah, but it is difficult. Yeah, but... Um, Anyway, I shall talk tomorrow a bit. I mean, that'll be uh, three days back when there people actually hear this uh, about about how we might, you know, look at the palm, yeah. the palm cross in a different yeah. way. Yeah. We a couple of us were from Zimbabwe, and right, yeah. through the wars, the um, War of Liberation and the Civil Wars in Zimbabwe, and so they come with a very different perspective on the danger and. Um, being an unsafe society, most of us do. I've grown up in a very, very safe society, and this is yeah. a complete shock, really, isn't it? You find it together. It is, yeah. You have this anxiety and, and indeed fear, and a fear that, um, uh, as those listening will be um, just before Monday Thursday, fear of touch of one another. So much about our Holy Week observances is to do with touch. Um, the washing of the feet and the touch yes. of the body of the risen Christ and so on. And yeah. there's a meditation for us there, isn't there, where we can't come physically close to one another this year no. uh, as to what that yeah. humanity and our spiritual um, unity is about. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's, it was a delight to welcome you here, Oswin, a few weeks ago as we were planning Holy Week and we had no idea really, I guess, when we met then that this was upon us. Um, but uh, it was a delight to welcome you and, and, and thank you for being willing to do this uh, today uh, as um, something as a replacement to your presence with us this week. Um, I've already naughtily invited you for 2021, <laughs> but... Uh, I'm sure there's lots of water to pass under the bridge between them. That's also a marker of yeah. hope. And if it's possible, I shall very much look forward to being with you yeah. in this delayed way. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, our love and prayers to you all uh, at the Community of the Resurrection. Um, and we hold our connection with you very dear. And, and I know particularly our companions of, of the community here do as well. Um, and um, we hope and pray that it is a very special Holy Week and Easter for you as, as a as a rarely gathered uh, community rather than you're normally the dispersed Yes, ones. yes, it's the, completely the other way around, isn't it, this year? Thank you for yes, to be with you, all the people of St Margaret's as well, as you celebrate the new hope in the dispersion that you have at the moment. I'm looking forward to working Thank to, to work together in St Margaret's Church. Oswin, would you like to finish with a prayer? Thank you. Yeah. Heavenly Father, you are the source of all our health and wholeness. May we continue to find that our trust is in you. And trusting you, may we open our hearts to you and to one another through this week, walking beside your son once again, 
as he takes our suffering upon himself, that we may be met by him this Easter tide. He who is Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Daily Reflection Podcast. If you would like to listen to more episodes, they will be available on your usual podcast platform. Alternatively, all the podcasts and live streams, uh, services and reflections can be found on the St. Margaret's Ilkley website, stmargaretsilkley.org.